0: New series today about the buck stops here. you know these are a bunch of excuses i 'm sure we 've all used a good number of them i know I know i 've tried to excuse or you know excuse my way out of different things in life that I know I was responsible for, but uh, so we 're starting this series looking at this whole area of um, responsibility handling and accepting our personal responsibility in life. This is a critical area to uh, understand and it 's also I would say it's not the most complex area, but it's a very challenging one for us to, to grasp. So, But irresponsibility itself runs very rampant in our world. I'm getting a big echo, but sorry about that. But irresponsibility, let me just define this. Irresponsibility is when I don't take responsibility for the things that I'm responsible for. Brilliant, huh? Did you catch that? irresponsibility is, when I don't take responsibility for things I'm responsible for, it's an amazing insight. You might want to write that down. It's worth the price of admission today, but it's almost impossible to see irresponsibility in the mirror. I can almost see it immediately in you, and in you, and you can see it in me almost immediately when I'm irresponsible, but I have such a hard time seeing irresponsibility in the mirror, and so do you. It's, it's all around us. And so it's something I think it's worth spending some time looking at. And it seems like our culture is becoming less and less responsible. And what makes it interesting is that our civil rights actually protect some things about this area. They protect some freedoms that we have. We all have the right in our in our uh, constitution to express our freedoms. And, but we all have the right in a way to be irresponsible. But you don't have the right to hold me accountable you know we're all free to be irresponsible in certain areas but no one can really come along and say hey you've got to clean that mess up in in fact oftentimes we clean up other people's messes for their irresponsibility and uh, anytime someone acts irresponsible someone else has to come along and shoulder the burden for other person's irresponsibility because irresponsibility itself is not a neutral thing it just doesn't lay there on the floor Whenever somebody chooses to be irresponsible in any area, someone or a group of people have to come along and clean up the mess. We all kind of know this is true, um, but let me illustrate this in some different ways. My senior year in college, I lived um, in an apartment on campus at Cal Baptist with some, uh, some friends of mine. We were good friends to start the year off. We had good relationships, I think, starting the year off. As we were going through the year, relationships got a little more tense because three of us, uh, so I'll include myself in that category, were kind of slobs. And so we would make our dinner and our lunches and we'd just keep, you know, putting stuff in the sink and just things would pile up in the sink. Um, all I really lived off in those days was Top Ramen, Gino's pizzas, and uh, there's one other thing, oh, chicken quesadillas. That's all I knew how to really do. And... uh There's some different forms of top ramen that I could whip up. But um, hot dogs, you know, throw some different vegetables in there, you know. Cheese is a vegetable, right? So I put as much as I could in there. I'd leave my dishes in the sink, and my roommates would do the same thing. Now, one of our roommates, he happened to wear an apron around when he was cooking. And so maybe we all assumed that he would clean up the mess. And so probably about once a week, the kitchen would be spotless. And it was just like, yeah, this is great. It's like we have a maid picking up for us. And so we all just kind of got used to this arrangement. You know, we make our messes, throw it in the sink, and he'd clean up the mess. And we'd do this week after week. Well, one day he blows up on us, and we have a big meeting about everybody pitching in. But see, I was being irresponsible, just like two of my other roommates. and, And one of them finally had it, because he was picking up the pieces. He had to shoulder the burden. And uh, he finally brought it to our attention, and we were like, oh, okay, yeah, we can do that. I mean, we, we recognized this, this was needed for harmony in our relationships, but it was a real source of conflict. And from that point on through the rest of the year, we had a little bit of tension in our, in our room or in our, in our apartment because of that. But if you're a parent of teenagers, you've probably experienced this on a different level. Have you ever found clothes on the floor in your, or a, a wet towel on the floor in your kid's room? Yeah. You know, how many times this week? Probably a bunch of times, you know, and you how many are you getting a little tired of saying, would you pick up the towel and hang it in the bathroom neatly over the on the towel rack or on the towel stand? Well, my sons are a little too young for this, but um, I remember my mom would get on me over this area and she would just say, you know, how many times do I have to tell you to do this? Josh, put the towel in the bathroom, put the towel in the bathroom. And so as I'm kind of preparing myself for I have three kids and. One of them, he gets himself ready in the morning. And so probably in a couple of years, I can actually work this plan out to where if he doesn't pick up his towel, if I find it there constantly on the floor wet and just getting nasty, um, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask him, and you might want to try this, those of you who are parents, I might ask him, why don't you ask me to pick up your towel for you? And I, I want to get, I'm not going to say, I'm going to tell him, Gabriel, you know, Ask me to pick up your towel or matter of fact, call mom up here and let's let's call mom up here and and then once you ask mom to pick up your towel for you and he'd probably be like, no, I'll do it. No, 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 no. Leave it there. Why don't you ask us to do what you're expecting us to do? There's some there's some things about irresponsibility. Now, that's not a good idea, probably parents, but or some of you might try that out this week and you can let me know how that worked out for you. But but. In essence, when I was a kid and I left my towel on the floor, my mom could have said, Josh, why don't you ask me to do this because you were too lazy to pick it up for yourself? Because it was an issue of laziness on my part. I was being lazy. And, and, uh, but when I act irresponsible, I'm expecting, not, not only am I hoping, but I'm really expecting someone to come along and clean up that mess. And it's usually somebody who's connected to the irresponsible party. Usually family members, coworkers, uh, whole companies have to sometimes clean up messes because irresponsibility is never just a neutral issue. We know this. It's a it's a communal thing. It's a family thing. It's it's even a corporate issue. When corporations are irresponsible, everyone suffers. Right? Everybody pays the price. Sometimes we, as a as a society, in our taxes, we we're paying a price because of irresponsibility. And I'm not going to bring up all these issues and get political, but. We know this. The nature, that's just the nature of irrespons- irresponsibility. And it's, it's kind of fun to talk about all those irresponsible people out there. But what I want to do this morning is look at irresponsibility as it relates to us. Because all of us, there's just something in all of us that wants to shirk our own personal responsibility. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you just can't do that. I just can't do that. As someone who's yielded my life to Jesus Christ, I cannot... Pass the buck to someone else. I don't have that privilege or freedom. Now, my constitutional rights might allow me to, but as a follower of Jesus Christ, I don't have that opportunity. Because I understand, and you, if you follow Christ, you ultimately understand that ultimately, you're not just accountable to your mom, or your dad, or your husband, or your wife, or the federal government, but, but you're responsible and accountable to your Heavenly Father. He's watching over our lives, and He has given us some stuff to manage, and He wants us to take those areas very, very seriously. He wants us to even clean up the towels on the floor. I mean, there's certain little things like that, but then there's also larger areas. He wants us to pay our own way through life. He wants us to be responsible and to you know seek employment, hold down employment. There's just all sorts of... He wants us to clean out the messes in, front, in our front yards. He wants us to take the trash out and pull it back in. I mean, there's certain things about just small and large that, that impact us in this area. But Christians, followers of Christ, ought to be the most responsible people on the planet. We should pay our bills. We should pay our taxes. We should learn to take care of our families. We should learn to pay our debts. Because we recognize our Heavenly Father. He's assigned some things to us. And, and I want to tell you the story where all of this irresponsibility began. It's a very familiar story. You're not going to be, uh, mo- most likely, you've read this a few times before in your life. It's way back in the beginning of human history. In the very first book of the Bible, book of Genesis. And so we're going to look at the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 through 29. If you have a Bible, you can turn there or follow along on the listening guide or on the screens. But this is where irresponsibility kind of entered or was ushered into the human race. And uh, verses 27 through 29, this is after almost everything has been created. God was making everything. In, in six days, He was creating. On the seventh day, He rested. But this was... He'd, he'd made everything, okay? Everything had been created. He even created human beings. And by the way, I know there's different views on this account on whether or not this stuff in the book of Genesis is actually real. Some people believe that this is a big myth, that the story of Genesis and the creation account is really just a myth, or other people believe it's, it's kind of allegorical for something else. Other people actually believe that this stuff actually happened. This is this is fact and that they base their lives on it. Uh, Jesus himself referred to Adam and Eve two times in his life. He, he referred to it as he was teaching to prove some points about marriage. And, but he would refer back all the way back to these characters, Adam and Eve. And so he believed that Adam and Eve were in fact real people who lived. And so I go with Jesus on this one. I believe that these are real people that actually lived. And what's really interesting, whether or not you believe this is for real or this is just a story or a myth, It's amazing that in this ancient book that has existed for thousands of years that God would give us insight into this area of irresponsibility. We can reach back thousands of years at this book that's been unchanging and he deals with some issues that we interact with on a daily basis. And so let's look at what this says in in chapter 1, verse 27 through 29. It says this, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, He created them. Then, before He gives us any laws, so God made man, man and woman. Okay, He created them. First chapter of Genesis is kind of the the overview of creation. Second chapter, you zoom in on what happened in real detail. So we're looking mainly at the first overview chapter. But this is before anything, no laws were introduced. He creates man and woman and it says, before he gives any laws or boundaries and before there was even any sin in the world nobody had done anything wrong there's this issue of responsibility god introduces the idea of responsibility before sin before the law before any boundary so i wanted to, i wanted to point that out because that's very important to understand look at verse 28 god blessed them and he said to them be fruitful and increase in number be fruitful and increase In other words, go and have babies. Have lots of babies, he's saying. Go and have lots of babies. Focus on that. And then you it begs the question, don't we need to have some laws in place, God? No. You know, that comes hundreds of years later. The Ten Commandments, that's hundreds of years later. That He's just saying, just go and have some babies. And it's interesting. He says, fill the earth. And subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. In other words, I want you to rule over everything. I want you to manage everything. Because human beings, you are responsible. I'm giving you a tremendous task. It's being responsible in life. There's no Ten Commandments. There's only one rule at this point. Don't eat from this one tree. There's one rule. Don't eat from this one tree. It's off limits. And then there's responsibility. This is very important to catch. Then look what it says, verse twenty-nine. God said, "I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food." So in the beginning, God gave mankind responsibility. Again, before all the "thou shalt nots," it was all about. Here's what you got to take care of in life. So here's what we learned so far, and you see this in your outline. We were created to be responsible. It's very simple. Like I said, it's not complex, it's just very, very challenging. We were made for this stuff. We were made to manage and to do things and to be responsible. That's what we find out in the first chapter of the Bible. Fill the earth, subdue it, rule over it. You're managers. All of us are managers. And we've been assigned roles and chores and tasks and duties by God. Also, the second thing is we're most fulfilled when we're managing our responsibilities well. When we're handling our responsibilities well, It feels great. Men, isn't it true that it feels great when you're doing a good job with what you're responsible for? There's just something about it. When you're doing well, when you're focused on your on your work, when you're focused on the the things that are assigned to you and you're doing well in them, it just makes you feel like, Man, I'm doing what I was made for. I'm I'm really doing it. You know, that's from a movie, but that's we're really doing it, I think, but Dumb and Dumber. Ladies, the same is true for you, though. You're happiest when you're handling your responsibilities. When you're doing the things that God has assigned to you and you do them well, you blossom. Men, if you want to brighten your wife's day, if you really want to score some major points, you say something like, Honey, you're a great mother. You're doing a great job. You're a great mother. And uh, I'd wait a few weeks on that. Give that some time. You might feel like that's uh, you're being set up. But when you catch them doing something like that, and you, because they feel this tremendous weight of responsibility in this area, and when they're doing it well, and you tell them you're doing a great job, that, they, that just makes them shine. Because they were made to be responsible. We were made this way. We all feel better about it. If you're out of work right now, if you're looking for work, you're, you're unemployed right now, the weight of all that pressure... That weight is from God. He's wired that into us because we were made to be responsible. And sometimes we want to get out from under that pressure, but the fact that that bothers you if you're out of work, that means you're carrying your own God-given responsibility. That's a pressure that God has put there. That's a good thing. The story of creation continues. It doesn't go very well for them. Chapter 2, like I said, he zooms in on what happens in the Garden of Eden. But then chapter 3, some bad things happen. Satan... Comes in The devil comes in. And he tempts Eve. And the Bible says that Adam was standing there right beside Eve. Sometimes we want to blame it on Eve. Eve made me do it like it was up on the screen. But the Scripture says that Adam was standing beside her. He didn't speak in and say anything. He didn't say, stop, God said that that tree is off limits. <clears throat> Adam was standing right beside her when she, when she sinned. And he just stood by and he watched. And so they both sinned. And as soon as they sinned, They felt ashamed. And Scripture says they were naked, and so they went and hid. And then there's this famous dialogue that we get between Adam and Eve and and God, and that's what I really want to focus in on. Chapter 3, verse 8, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees. See, when we do bad things, we hide, generally. We want to run away. That's what they did. They wanted to run away. And this says in verse nine, but the Lord God called to the man, and he asked him a question, "Where are you?" Now God knew, but He's giving Adam an opportunity to answer. He knew where he was. It's like if you're a single, or if you're if you're a parent, and you call your son in and say, "Did you do that? Did you do that?" Now of course you know that he did that, but you just want him to acknowledge that he did that. That's kind of what's happening in this interaction. Verse ten says he answered. Adam said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and so I hid. And then he said, who told you, now catch this, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? In other words, God was saying, Adam, I'm holding you accountable. I gave you a big responsibility, just one rule, and a big responsibility, and you broke the rule. And God asked him this question, Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And look at Adam's response. Then Adam answered, Yes, I did. And I take full responsibility for my actions. Do with me as you will, but leave Eve out of this. She's innocent. Now, the reason some of you are laughing is because that's not what the Bible says. If you've read this passage before, then you know that What Adam said is not that. If he would have said this, the world would be a different place. If he had said, I'm here to protect and to defend the reputation of my wife. Do with me as you wish. I take full responsibility for everything. The world would be a different place if that is what had happened. But here's what verse 12 actually says. The man said, the woman, you, look at what he's doing. He's pointing at her, and then he's pointing at God. The woman you put here with me. He's saying, I didn't ask for a woman. I didn't even know what a woman was. It was just me, it was the animals, and it was you. I was a little lonely, but I was okay. And then you took this rib out of me. You made this woman, and look at the mess and the chaos that she has created. God, this isn't my fault. Adam is basically, he's blaming... He said, this isn't my fault. This is your fault. And this is her fault. So why don't the two of you get together, work this out. (laughs) Because I had nothing to do with it. Leave me out of this. But doesn't that, doesn't this issue, the blame shifting, explain all the conflict in your life and in your marriage and in your relationships and on the job? And he continued, he says, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. But ultimately, he's saying, I'm not responsible for this. Then the Lord God said to the woman, verse 13, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. She's basically saying, it's not my fault either. They're both pointing fingers. They're blaming. They're not saying, okay, they passed the buck to someone else. This leads us to another important insight. This is the the last thing you see on your outline. Irresponsibility always creates conflict. Always. Irresponsibility that leads to blame always creates conflict. Isn't it amazing and rare when someone steps up and says, I'm to blame for what happened. It's all my fault. I'm responsible for my, for my family. I'm responsible for my division. I'm responsible. It's my company. I'm responsible. It's all my fault. For everything that happened, I'm responsible. It's, it's, it's unusual for someone to step in and actually take responsibility. But there's usually nothing to be gained through blaming. Because blame is usually a way to pass or to just shift responsibility to someone else. We've got a clip here. And I want to show you this movie clip. Here's an example. This is a movie clip for the movie Two Weeks Notice. Where the main character is a businessman who is irresponsible with his family's business. He's just irresponsible. He squanders his family business's money on selfish pursuits that cost the company greatly. And... This clip right here that you're going to see demonstrates just how his, his life is only held together because of his assistant. He's so irresponsible, he needs someone else to make choices for him. And so take a look at how irresponsible he is.
1: George. Oh, good, you're here. What is it? And may I just say, that is a very attractive George. pink thing George. that you are wearing. George, what is it? Okay, I'm judging the Miss New York contest mm-hmm. in under an hour. It's on television. What do you think? George, please don't tell me you called me out of a wedding to help you pick out a suit. Please! You were at a wedding? You ran out of a wedding? Why did you do that? You That's said horrible. it was an emergency. Didn't I memo you as to what constitutes an emergency? Yes, large meteor, uh, severe loss of blood, and what's the third one again? Death! Death. And you're not dead! No. Just like you weren't dead when you called me at 3 o'clock in the morning because you had a nightmare about becoming the fifth member of Kiss. Just like you weren't dead when you barged in on my woman's doctor appointment to ask me which picture to put on the cover of People. I don't like this, much. This is interesting. Well, look, if it's any consolation, I will be dead eventually. You know, tonight is important. I'm representing the Wade organization. That includes you. Not anymore, George. Sorry? You got Island Towers. I got Coney Island. Why don't we just call it quit, okay? I can't take it anymore. What, are you serious? Yes. Please consider this my two weeks' notice. Well, I find find you ungrateful. Ungrateful? Yes, ungrateful. Ungrateful? Yes, yes. I I hire you with no corporate experience. I give you a wonderful apartment, a great office, the non-fat muffin basket every morning. George! And if you don't want to be disturbed, why do you keep your phone on? Because you like emergencies. You crave the excitement. All right, George, you are absolutely right. This has nothing to do with you. This is entirely all my thing, because I've managed to turn myself into this, 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 this... There's not even a name for it. Well, that's not like I'm enjoying it either, you know. Before you came into my life, I was capable of making all kinds of decisions. Now I can't. I'm addicted. I have to know what you think. What do you think? George, I think you're the most selfish human being on the planet. That's just silly. Have you met everyone on the planet? Goodbye, George.
0: I don't have a shirt. <laughs> he's just a really selfish guy who's really irresponsible. He's not willing to own up to the fact that he, he's going after what he wants in his life. And when she confronts him about this, he tries to blame her for his own irresponsibility. I'm hooked on what you provide. He won't even take responsibility. It's actually her fault. But this comes up in our relationships. This certainly pops up in our marriage when conflict erupts. You know, that's usually because there's irresponsibility involved. But there's always ir- ir- irresponsibility creates conflict between people, between families, between companies, even within a culture, within a nation, all throughout the world. But it goes deeper than that. Here's what, here's what you already know. Do you know where irresponsibility ultimately creates conflict? Inside of us. When we're irresponsible... Even if we can convince other people that we're not to blame, we'll never fully convince ourselves because we know we were made to be responsible. God put this inside of us, and so when we shirk our responsibility, even if other people are convinced, even if we can convince other people or they finally just give up trying to argue with us about these issues, everybody gives up, the government gives up, your family gives up, you know I know on the inside when I've been irresponsible and it gnaws away at me until I own up to it and I straighten it out and the truth is we will never arrive we will never reach it our God given potential as long as we choose to be irresponsible deep down God has made us to be responsible here's a few things to consider like I said very very simple to understand this area but complex or difficult to work it out Here's some next steps. The first one is this. This week, listen to your blame. Listen to the words that come out of your mouth as it relates to blame. When you begin, when you are being irresponsible and then you start talking in your head or you start blaming, listen to what you're saying. Like the reason I didn't go to the gym this morning is because I slept in. My kids didn't let me sleep in or or my kids woke up late or... Or someone woke me up in the middle of the night. Just listen to the blame. We try to blame our way out of responsibility and being responsible. Whether it's our own health, our own well-being, for our education, for our own grades, for our performance. We try to use blame. And so the first step in accepting responsibility is to just listen to the talk that goes on in our head or the things we say. Just listen and catch yourself blaming and you might go and you're thinking, oh, I am doing it. I'm blaming other people for what is truly my responsibility in life. Um, if, if I know, if I go ahead and just ignore my health for a bunch of years, I may as well sit, and I'm blaming other people, I may as well sit my wife Erica down right now and say, Honey, will you please take care of me when my body doesn't work anymore because I wouldn't eat right? Because I have an issue with cholesterol and so... As much as I'd like to blame this on everybody else who wants to take me to eat high-fat lunches, it's not any of your fault. I mean, this is ultimately my responsibility. I can't pass that to anyone else. This is my I have to listen to the blame. I have to catch myself blaming. But when I choose irresponsibility, I'm ultimately just shifting responsibility to someone else, asking her or someone else to take care of it. The second step is, is actually a little bit harder. When conflict hits... Um, I'd like you to draw a circle. Draw a circle somewhere on your, on your listening guide. This is a pie that represents all of the chaos, the conflict in your life. It might be your marriage. It might be in your finance. Maybe it's broken relationships. But this, 100% of the blame is in this pie. Because this is where all the conflict and chaos is. So I want you to draw a slice of the pie that represents what you're responsible for. In the chaos, you know, draw a pie, or draw a slice of the pie. Uh, whatever you think is your responsibility for the chaos that you're experiencing in life, draw a personal little pie. You know, and I'm guessing that it's probably not going to get much larger than this. You know, because <laughs> if I'm asked that question, I'm going to say, "Well, that's probably about that." You know, that's about my responsibility right there. That's about what I'm. It's so much easier to focus on all this stuff out here. You know, well, if you wouldn't have done that, and if you wouldn't have done that, and if the weather would have been, you know, if the sun would have come out this morning, and if if there was more in my checking account, and if we spend so much time out here, out here. But the truth is, as long as we live in this realm right here, conflict never gets addressed. Or conflict never gets solved. As long as we stay here, this only leads to more conflict. The secret to getting, making progress in life is to focus in on what is our slice of the pie. Just ask yourself. When conflict hits, ask yourself, what is my slice of the pie? And focus on your slice. Now, it's true that there are other people possibly at fault in your situation that has brought conflict about. But ultimately, if you try to focus on them, that's not going to get you anywhere. Because you are not responsible for other people and controlling what what they do in their lives. You're only responsible and I'm only responsible for my slice of the pie. So take responsibility for what God has assigned to you. Be responsible. Two other things you might consider. Attend this message series for the rest of the series. We're going to hit some very inter- interesting passages related to responsibility. I'd encourage you to come back. And then if you if you know somebody you could bring with you, I think that'd be great. So let's Let's go to the Lord in prayer. We're going to sing two more songs and we've got a, a fun day ahead. And so... I hope you'll stick around and enjoy the food and just the time together. Let's pray. Father, uh, we, we all can identify with the story of the, of, you know, the, in the garden. We can all identify with Adam and Eve. And we've been in situations where we've crossed the boundary, we've, we've messed up, we've violated something and and we've not taken responsibility we've passed the buck we've we've shifted our responsibility and we've blamed other people lord i pray that you'd help us to understand that that is a that is a contagious sickness in our society and if we're not careful that it just catches us we catch that and we live with that pattern and so lord help us to find our way out of that help us to take responsibility god and this week, Lord, help us to just listen to some of the self-talk and the things that we say and do and to stop ourselves when we cross that line and just to fully ask ourselves, what, what is it that I'm responsible for? What's in my slice of the pie, God? Lord, I thank You that You have created responsibility for us because You love us and You want us to be most fulfilled by managing it, this stuff well. Lord, we have families. We have relationships. We have deadlines. We have chores. We have finances. We have all this stuff, God, that we got to manage. We have our education. We got to go to bed on time, Lord. There's all of these issues, and you've entrusted choices to to us so that we could we could handle these things well, and we could be a blessing to other people. Lord, help us, Lord, this week to consider taking some steps in a different direction. We pray that in Jesus' name, Amen. We're going to receive an offering, and after a.